Hey, it's Bond, and today I have a new episode of the EchoCast for you. This is a special one. As we get closer to episode 200, I have a special guest, Mark Dara, on here, currently a YouTuber with the Old Game Dev Advice channel and formally, as most of you know, with Bioware working on Dragon Age, Jade Empire, uh, Sonic, and the Mass Effect games. So um, it's a great chat. I had a, a blast talking to Mark. Um, I got through like a fourth of my questions. There's a lot more to talk about, so hopefully I can pull them on again another time. Uh, but for now, enjoy what we chatted about, and I will see you afterwards. Today, I have uh, Mark Dara of uh, currently of the old game dev advice YouTube channel and formerly of Bioware. Um, Mark, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, I wanted to kind of start off with uh, I watched some of your other interviews and people always jump straight into Dragon Age and Bioware and all that. I'm actually kind of curious to um, how you got started. Um, maybe in your gaming life in general as a, as a child or um and also how you got started in game development yeah so uh gaming i started playing D D in uh grade five so in 1985 um in the the old um uh, basic box edition you know the the, the for people that are super old um <laughs> that, that iconic red box with the two books in it um uh and basically have role-played ever since. I actually had a weird kind of gap in my teenage years where I didn't have a group, but then when I got into university, um, came back to it, um, actually with Shadowrun. Shadowrun was the first RPG I played as an adult. Um, and then um, uh, educationally, computer science degree. So I um, did an internship so i did a my four-year degree i actually took five years because after my third year i did a one-year internship uh what that taught me is that i wanted to work on something that would see the light of day uh at that point in time so this is 1995 um there was lots of money to be made for programmers if you wanted to work in the telecom industry Sure. Um, yeah. Nortel uh, is a Canadian company or used to be a Canadian company that did lots of telecom uh, software. Um, and at the time they were hiring like crazy. Uh, but the reality is, is the software you were writing would likely end up in a box, in a field in in northern Ontario somewhere. Sure. Um, and, and, I, and my internship showed me that I wanted to work on something that would actually see the light of day. Same point in time, uh, Bioware was starting in uh, in Edmonton, so um, I was uh, I actually got hired before I was graduated. I didn't start until after I graduated. But I got started actually got hired in December of 1996 when um, they were still pretty small. When I started, I was employee number 35. Oh wow! Uh, I actually got hired really kind of before that. Um, and, it was kind uh, of fast and loose at that it time. Was pretty, it was pretty yeah. fast and loose at that time. Sure. Um, I had a job offer from um, uh, IBM in Toronto for quite a bit more money sure. at the time. Um, but I, as I said, I wanted to work on something that I knew was going to see the later day. It wasn't really clear what that was going to be. If you were at IBM, maybe you would. Probably you wouldn't. Um, I think I made the right choice. Um it was kind of a probably good either way, right? Yeah. So I was at uh, Bioware from from 1997 to 2021. 
yeah. programming. Um, so I was a programmer on uh, Baldur's Gate 1. And then after Baldur's Gate 1, I became lead programmer on uh, Tales of the Sword Coast and then was lead programmer on uh, BG2 and uh, Shadows of Alam or um, uh, Tales of Ball, what can't remember the name of it, uh, was lead programmer on um, Jade Empire. Took a little uh, little side thing there in the early days of Jade Empire to write sure. the original DM tool for Neverwinter Nights. Um, um, then um, after Jade Empire, there's this like weird little thing where I was on Jade Empire 2. Um, then Jade Empire 2 became Jade Empire Modern and moved on to Unreal. And I was like, I don't know Unreal. I don't feel qualified to be a lead programmer. Was stream architect for uh, Jade Empire and uh, Mass Effect 1 at the same time, which was a job that no one really knew what it was. Didn't really know what it was. Became, someone's got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, someone's got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, became the... Uh, lead. So then I was like, okay, I put me back into a lead programmer job. I don't know <laughs> what this this stream architect job is. Sure. Uh, was became lead programmer on um, the DS title on, on Sonic Chronicles. Um, um, then that the person in charge of that project went over to take over Dragon Age. Um, I took over Sonic. That's when I moved from oh, lead okay. programmer into production. Was there. Then when that shipped, we started working on a Mass Effect DS title, but the economics of the DS mm -hmm. were terrible. Um, so then that got shut down. I took over uh, Revolver, which is what in the intervening time the Empire. Yeah. Empire had become. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I, I had to be the one that shut that project down. Mm -hmm. um, took over Dragon Age, because now the person who had left the DS had left, and I was taking over Dragon Age and was in charge of Dragon Age origins dragon age 2 um dragon age inquisition then a bunch of malarkey happened and i ended up in <laughs> in charge of uh of anthem um in in 2017 in its final 16 months or so shipped um anthem and then was back on uh uh dragon age 4 um which is which is now called dreadwolf sure um and then uh, left in 2021. So that's the that's the five minute <laughs> the five whole thing summarize my entire life. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, one thing I so I got started in doing this content creation stuff. I'm a social worker uh, uh, for my real job. Um, this is kind of a thing I do for fun. And uh, the game that got me into creation was uh, the division done by Ubisoft Massive uh, over in Malmo. And um, uh, the head of that, or who used to be, it was David Pulfelt. Uh, who um, is now at Player Unknown Productions uh, that just got announced. And he wrote a book called The Dream Architects. And what I really enjoyed, um, that book talks about like games I care about eventually. But what I think is really interesting uh, after reading that and hearing kind of your story and a lot of devs of kind of the old guard, not to not to call anyone old, but um, is how like the first fourth of his book talks about how he worked at like an advertising agency and a car company wanted them to make an interactive experience. I think it was Porsche. And so they made like the most simple game ever. And then that led to him being the head of arguably a, a very good studio one day and i think it's um, i'm kind of curious to your thoughts of how it seems like a lot of the older devs ended up in game dev where now you go to college for it 
and it seems like the new so how like i guess just what are your general thoughts on that and how do you think that's going to change the industry kind of in the long run yeah i think it's going to be have a massive impact on the industry so you're absolutely right when i got into the industry it wasn't really an industry i mean um um i don't know the number of people that were employed in video games in 1997 but it was probably under 10,000 sure. across the entire planet yeah um um, there were no colleges. Designer wasn't even a role that was even really s understood as being a thing. Because everyone um, did everything. <laughs> everyone did, did everything. Mm -hmm. Producers were the writers. It was, mm -hmm. it was, um, um, yeah, it was all over the place. One of the benefits of the early days, I think, is that because people were coming from so many different places, you had a lot of... Um, external sources for inspiration. So when you're making a Baldur's Gate, people are mostly drawing from pen and paper. Sure. These days, people's experience is they've been gaming since they were four um, um, and and not, you know, Apple Panic or, or Brickout. They're, they're, they're gaming sure. um, um, for in, in... So they're drawing upon uh, references within the genre. And that, I'm not sure what the long-term impact of that is going to be because it could be like photocopying a photocopy. And because we've moved so far away from uh, the, 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 the original reference that we're losing some detail along the way, you do see that with, um, with art often. It's like I'm referencing, if I'm using Mass Effect, as my my artistic touchstone it's like but sure. mass effect is referencing something else sure. so it's by using mass iterations you already sanded off some of that uh some of that detail so i do worry about that that we're going to become sort of inward looking and uh and become sort of self too self-referential that being said um we didn't know what that we were doing I do think that there is a a degree of knowledge, a degree of maturity that's coming into the industry that's allowing things to be better. Things around user design, like user experience and UI design, and even just the language around talking about the way gameplay works. Um, accessibility is probably another big one too. Accessibility yeah. is a huge one for sure. You don't, I mean, I don't think if you magically have the hardware that's capable of running it in the 90s, I don't think you can make a Destiny or a, or a Fortnite or some of the genres that exist now are, are sure. not actually possible because their core loop is too, would end up being too janky. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, so that's where I think the, 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 the maturity of the industry has really helped is things like understanding that, yeah, accessibility matters, understanding that there is a methodology to core loops but i do wonder if by our references becoming gaming as a whole if that's not going to you know wear some of the the um i mean if you look at games from the 80s and early 90s there's some just bonkers stuff in there because everything sure. on the table so yeah, you are we... seeing stuff coming back i guess like you're getting you know power wash simulator that's a <laughs> So maybe, sure. Maybe sure. Indies will be our salvation. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting because I, I mean I think that there 
there can be something lost with that old guard, you know, eventually phasing out. Um, but then the new guard becomes the old guard, right? So, like, yeah. you know, it's it, it's just like anything else; it's generational. Um, but I, I I do think it's interesting where I, it also comes down to when people, you know, all of the discussion about crunch and um, I've seen your comments about the Bioware magic and all that stuff. Is that um, I mean, do you think it's reasonable to say that as that old guard phases out, the new guard kind of will hopefully get rid of some of those um maybe the the toxic tendencies of the early the early days i i really hope so um uh, i do think that something else that's coming with the newer people entering the industry is one an unwillingness to do some of the awfulness stuff awful stuff we did in the early days but also just a a an ability to bring new skills to bear in terms of project management and so i mean like crunch is crunch is a a bad solution to a real problem. Um, um, I think there are better solutions to be had, but I do think that, you know, I crunched in, in 1997, so you're going to crunch too is, is still pervasive in sure. the industry. And I do think that it's going to take um, probably a turnover, at least of a lot of us, for that to, to change. That being said, um, something that I noticed um, in is that sometimes if your if your studio is hiring only your biggest fans, um, uh, which which I've saw, seen saw at Bioware sometimes, sure. those sure. people are in some ways are uh, they they're almost more uh, they have more zealotry towards the old way of doing things than someone that's all they know from a fandom point of view sure that's that's right that's all Mm -hmm. they know and they don't necessarily know that that um this was awful or there was there could have been a better way we just didn't see it until later all they know is this is what you did and you got made this thing i love so we have to do that too and so that's a danger that could happen is is you get the it's the you know the 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 monkeys and the banana. It's like you that I don't even know why we're doing this anymore, but I know we've always done it. It's just the way it's done. Sure, even in my industry, I see that a lot, and that um, that it's changed. I've been doing what I do for about ten years, and for when I started, we were still using paper charts and all paperwork for everything for all of our clients, and it was a situation of like you know uh, electronic health records were out there they had been for many years but it was just the way we did it and now luckily that's updated a lot and things have changed but it's funny how it's not even just the game industry it's you know even in an industry like mine that's probably couldn't be more different we still have the same issues um there's uh so in your post bioware time i'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts in general about what it's been like to to become a content creator and to do YouTube and um, maybe specifically what challenges have you run into that you didn't expect when you were first getting into it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's all the sort of just getting off your butt and actually doing it, which seems to be the, the biggest challenge to, uh, to actually doing content creation. I've definitely noticed that I can much more appreciate the creator burnout now than I could before, because there is this weird. So I try to. I've I've been trying to basically be a month in ahead of where I need to be, but if I go a week without creating something, um, which has happened, I've had two weeks in a row actually until this sure. week where that happened. It just starts to feel like it's all gonna come tumbling down, 
and come breaking apart. And that's weird because I know I have uh, a month of back of backlog. So I mean, I could take a month off. In fact, the reason why I wanted to have a month backlog was so that I could do uh, a bit more game dev stuff and not feel like I'm on this content treadmill. And that content treadmill is real and it's it's there. And even when I've built in processes to try to let me step off of it, I feel the pressure to be on it, which is funny because I'm certainly not putting in the uh, hours on on production values and things like that, like some of the other top end creators are. Um, and still, it ends up consuming just a lot of my mind space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even myself as someone who does this basically as a hobby. I mean, it's something I take seriously and I enjoy doing because I get opportunities like this. But it's, you know, I have a full time job and I have a daughter and I have a wife and I have a family and I have other things I do. But so even this relatively, um, you know, it should be a fairly low priority in my life still takes up all that. The same thing. Well, you know, if I don't put out an episode this week, it's going to hurt me next week and things like that. Um, and it's not like it's life or death for me, but it's, um, it's, it's interesting. You, you definitely gain a new appreciation. For sure. Um, there, uh, I, I am kind of curious, uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke to, um, someone I've known for quite a while, who's currently the creative director uh, for the division two. And during our conversation, uh, one of the things that came up was how I asked him, you know, what games are you excited about? What games are you playing right now? And he isn't because he's the creative yeah. director for an ongoing live service game that has a understaffed team and all of that super fun stuff. And so I guess since you've left Bioware, have you been able to play games? And I, if you have, what have you been playing? Yeah, I, I definitely play more games, but even still, it's taken me a long time to get back into it. So the, the thing that has been on my, why haven't you played this list for, for <laughs> what I guess what, what I'm getting close to a year now is Elden Ring. I still haven't got to Elden Ring. Um, I really liked um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I know it's somewhat... Um, divisive. I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm not entirely sure why, um, but I've also been so like I've also been sort of bumbling around in the indie space trying to find things that do interesting things from a narrative perspective. Um, I, Card Shark is on my to do list, and uh, uh, Speed Dating for Ghosts I played, and okay. uh, um, uh, uh, Dream Daddy just to look at things that are kind of in doing interesting things with, with narrative, um, because I do think that in AAA narrative is a certain thing, very much defined in a lot of ways by Bioware. Um, sure. And I, I'm thinking that there's there's uh, some evolution waiting to be had there. Uh, and often triple, or often AAA isn't really capable of these, kind, they can do evolution maybe, but revolution sure. has gotta, is often gotta come from, from, from indie. At the bottom up, sure. Yeah. The uh, no, I love that Guardians game. Um, it was actually, I think that game was in a weird spot because of the Avengers live service game, yeah, that came out before it, and everyone kind of like, oh gosh, it's gonna be, and then it comes out, and it's this great story, obviously. Married to Marley, you know, and that's mm. yeah, and uh, one thing that I loved about that game, and I even remember posting about it, like I think on the, the Mass Effect subreddit, um, during Drax's mission, and that where you're in his head. There's a reference where a little boy runs across your screen like three or four times doing the awkward and no one caught on to it. And I'm like, this is so obviously the dream, the dream child. Yeah. Like, how is no one like talking about this? It's, it's hilarious. It's such a cool reference because that, that game really does feel like a modern take 
in many ways on on kind of the bioware thing especially the mass effect idea yeah for sure i mean i played um avengers as well and mm-hmm. i there's a good game in there yeah um, you just have to i guess there's no real real way to ex- access it um because i like i like if you if the first i don't know three um three or four hours where it's very much like just introducing the world and that i really like that and then sure. you and then you hit the oh wait no now we've hit the live service part and we're going to force you to grind it out and you're like uh and then you get to the next beat and you're like oh that's cool again and it's like oh okay so there's probably a 10 hour really cool sure. offline experience to be had there but I think you could say that about most live service games. Uh, yeah. You know, the game that's close to my heart being the Division One and Two. Those are two games that they're almost made in a way that, like, they really wanted to make a really cool single player experience, but they had to compete with Destiny, or yeah. they had to compete. Like, like there was like a directive where it's like, you know, deep down they were trying to make this really cool single player experience, but then they were kind of forced to do the thing that you know everyone else is doing. So yeah, uh, well, I that's can... certainly the Avengers. Or, I mean, sorry, mm-hmm. that's certainly um, uh, Anthem as well, where it's yeah. like there's yeah, a, sure. there there is a there is a bioware story certainly not bioware's best but there's a bioware story in there if you just ignore everything else sure sure the um i'm, I'm kind of curious um kind of moving on to like kind of some industry talk i am uh there's a big consolidation happening um at least from my take from my layman's take of uh especially engines um i'm kind of curious to what you think i know i've seen you speak in other uh situations where i believe great empire had its own engine um and then there was the move to, to unreal like you said obviously um Unreal 5 seems like it's a huge jumping point for places right now where um, CDPR is moving The Witcher to Unreal. There's rumors that the next Mass Effect is maybe going to move that way as well. Um, I just, how does that make you feel as a dev in general? Um, um, uh, the good and bad, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the average um, uh, game player puts actually way too much stock in sure. what engine is being used. Sure. Um, that being said, uh, making your own engine is very expensive. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me that that CD project is thinking that it's like I'm pretty sure there's still the guts of Neverwinter Nights underneath the 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 Witcher engine. I'm not sure I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. sure. Um and like I mean you see the 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 even moving Dragon Age from uh from Aurora to to or Eclipse to um to frostbite i mean mm-hmm. there's just there's just so much more possibility space that's opened up um i do worry about any time where we have very few players in a space so we this this kind of happened at the last generation though when with unreal 4 unreal 4 sure. seemed to be 75 percent of all games on mm-hmm. on the last generation so may, maybe this is just the same but i do worry that we end up in a world where you've got you've got uh, Unreal. You've got Unity in the background, kind of scratching, yeah, kind of scratching around, <laughs> sure. and and that's it. That's mm-hmm. that's a dangerous world to be in because what often happens, and and what happened to a large degree with Frostbite is mm-hmm. if you don't have to be competitive, if you don't have to be um, uh, pushing, then you won't. Sure. Sure. Uh, and that's and I mean I actually with it's funny Frostbite is both. 
Frostbite both was the push <laughs> that forced Unreal to get better, and then because it was essentially the engine that everyone had to use at EA, it stagnated on its own. So. And then boosted Unreal <laughs> again, I, kind of yeah. in its own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think uh, from what I've I've read, and, um, Ubisoft seems to be. It's kind of funny. It's just these these uh, mistakes or or not. Maybe depending on how you look at it, the um, Ubisoft massive Snowdrop engine. Uh, it sounds like they're doing the same thing at Ubisoft with that, where they're moving. I think the new Splinter Cell game, uh, obviously massive. They're working on that Avatar and Star Wars game. But I believe even other titles are going to be moving towards Snowdrop as well. And it's so interesting from the outside. Now, like you said, people like me, fans and stuff, probably overemphasize engine and not understanding. It's just a bunch of tools put together. It's not it's not this uh, monolithic thing. It's it's you know, it's a bunch of small things put together. But it is still interesting to watch, uh, you know, either Ubisoft knows something that everyone else doesn't and that they can make it work. Or there's like a sense of almost arrogance of like we can make it work, you know, you know, honestly. So the the. The biggest reason to consolidate on an engine is for uh, the ability to share more work within your sure. studio. Or the argument of using Unreal is that it's not All just the, mm-hmm. it's everyone. It's, eight, it's mm-hmm. thousands of people uh, uh, affecting and improving this engine in theory. Um, the problem that often happens is that, uh, is that you end up with not nearly as much sharing as you would imagine. FIFA doesn't share anything with... Dragon Age, Need in, for in, Speed, in, or yeah. Need for Speed, sure. yeah. And and in Byro's case, it's even worse than that. There's very little sharing between Dragon Age Inquisition and Mass Effect Andromeda and Mass oh, Effect okay. Andromeda Anthem. Sure. So that's honestly a lot of uh, uh, troubles that I think Andromeda and Anthem had is not building mm-hmm. upon the foundation laid by Inquisition. All that being said, if anyone can do it, honestly, I think it might be Ubisoft because. Oh, no. Ubisoft's games are quite similar to each other in sure. in gameplay formula, philosophy. yeah. Formula. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and also they uh, the the way the games are are controlled is different. So they may be able to mandate a certain behavior, a certain approach to their technology. Maybe certainly, even if even like. EA has gone through this a couple of times. Everyone's using Frostbite, but everyone's going to then roll their own Frostbite solution. Everyone's sure. using um, Renderware. Um, same, same, same thing. It just it's so. But I think if anyone can do it, I suspect anyone from the West at least. Mm-hmm. It might be um, it might be Ubisoft that might be able to say, no, no, you're going to use Snowdrop. You're going to use it. You're not just going to use Snowdrop. You're going to use. You're going to this is the Assassin's Creed that ship last. You're going to build upon that, sure. that ship product, and then you're going to ship your whatever Watch Dogs three, mm-hmm. and then that's going to now become the thing that everyone builds upon. They might sure. be able to do that, but uh, if they don't, then you're then you're supporting. It's then it's then it could just end up being like Frostbite. Sure. The one thing that Ubisoft does have though is their tools are very much designed to build the kinds of games they build which they would have to rebuild if they switched. Like, you're not getting... Although they put a bunch of un, uh, open-world stuff into Unreal 5, but sure. you're probably not getting the tools... You're almost definitely not getting the tool chain you're used to if you switch engines. Um, almost definitely. You're almost definitely going to have to rebuild all that. And sure. so my typical opinion is the engine you should use almost always... Is the last is, one. <laughs> is the last one you should use. Sure, sure. 
um kind of going off of that and jumping into some specific things about you know dragon age and some games you worked on i I've, i think it's kind of interesting that and, and correct me if i'm wrong please but um was inquisition the first bioware game that used frostbite yes uh, okay we had a um we had a, a game that was called Blackfoot. Well, it wasn't actually called Blackfoot. That was the code name. Code which name, was sure. going to be a, a, a multiplayer Dragon Age game that kind of was using Frostbite okay. before, during, like, late in DA2 and uh, uh, before Inquisition started up. But that never shipped. That just got eaten by okay. Inquisition. So Inquisition was the first Frostbite game. So, uh, at least from my perception, it seems like from at least Bioware's perspective, that's the game that was best received. That's used the Frostbite engine. And you would think that, you know, kind of from like what you said, building upon what's from before, you would think that it would be the other way. So, with Andromeda and Anthem and stuff like that. Now, obviously, there's contextually a lot lot of other things that factor into that. But why do you think Inquisition was able to kind of get off on the right foot with frostbite and why do you think that didn't maybe carry on to the games that came after yeah that's my great frustration of bioware um basically from 2013 to basically to today is um that um there wasn't a building upon the past so inquisition approached frostbite as we watched mass effect one struggle with unreal 4 because unreal 4 hadn't shipped we need to respect the engine um do things the way the engine wants it to be done and build our tool set about 30 percent of inquisitions uh tech budget was spent on tools on tooling okay on andromeda they didn't build upon the basically didn't build upon the tools that were laid by inquisition Partially because they started before Inquisition shipped, but also for not built here reasons. Sure. They spent around 10 to 15% of their budget on tools. Anthem didn't build upon the foundation laid by either Inquisition or Andromeda. And they spent about less than 10% of their budget on on tooling. So... so it's it's like we were going backwards. We were respecting the engine less and less as we went. Sure. Um, um, and, and as a result, that there was more and more struggles happening. Uh, and you know, with in the case of Anthem, I mean, some of the arguments do make sense. It's a very different game. But sure. in the case of Andromeda, it's like they're really not. And I mean, I I. I I have the what I call the most sarcastic PowerPoint presentation ever, which is basically comparing those two games, which are treated at Bioware as if they are widely different things. They are exactly the same game, sure, pretty much from the perspective of of any external observer. Um, Mass Effect is more like Dragon Age than it is like anything else. Sure, even another or even Fallout, even another RPG. Yeah, certainly for sure. More than a than a than a shooter, more than so. It's like it's ridiculous, but yeah. The the answer is hubris. Is the answer sure. The um, something I think is interesting is how, uh, again, from a non-developer perspective, I see, you know, all of this, well, you can call it PR propaganda, I guess, for Unreal 5 and how it's, you can make these things so much easier and these light maps work so much better, you know, all the stuff. Um, when I hear, when I've heard you talk previously and other people talk about like the development of Dragon Age 2 and how it happened so quickly, um, do you think that these engines 
for whatever they're worth are are moving towards a time where games can ever be developed that quickly again or do you think that was a one shot situation do you think games are going to take longer than ever moving forward i guess kind of how do you feel about that yeah so i it's a good question i'm not a 100 percent sure my feeling is so this is my experience with unreal because i've been using unreal 5 as well is sure. this has been the case forever unreal uh is really good at making beautiful pr uh, prototypes and tech demos so frostbite awful at that mm -hmm. unity really good at prototyping really fast sure. but it doesn't uh it, it doesn't necessarily look amazing unreal if you sit down with it for couple hours you can make something you're like wow this game is going to come together so fast and then and it's as deep as a puddle <laughs> and is it deep as a puddle or maybe sure. it's just a painting of a puddle on the ground sure um but yeah and then when it struggles is actually kind of in the middle part where where you're trying to get the game together but that being said especially in the indie space um mm. a lot of indies are basically shipping their prototypes so uh, sure. Unreal Five might allow a a rapid a, a massive quality expansion in the indie space where okay. you can throw together a prototype that looks great, sure. um, looks like a real game, looks like a shipping game, um, and then just ship that, and there you go. Um, I for the in the AAA space. Um, I don't think Unreal 5 uh, gets us there. That being said, I do think that someday we're going to get there. I mean, you know, in the 1920s, 1930s, movies, every single movie you're making, there's, the camera technology is, is like moving underneath you massively. Sure. These days, if you're using a weird camera, you're doing it because of some specific reason. IMAX or something. Yeah, sure. Or, sure. or like I want to film it on on eight millimeter because okay. I, I, because it's going to give me a weird look or something because sure, i'm artsy sure. I'm artsy. <laughs> uh, or, um, um i think we will at some point essentially reach that uh level with a lot of the technology in there maybe not the underlying gameplay engine but probably with with graphics i mean we're already starting to see like things the things that might actually be transformative might be things like mega scans and uh and where it's like, okay, if, if I want something that looks real or real adjacent, sure. um, I can basically just buy 80 to 90% of my, uh, my environment, art, mm -hmm. which is really like, I mean, if I'm going to film a movie and I can go like, oh, this subway station is almost right. All we need to do is hang up some, some posters and stuff. Um, that's awesome if I can do that. And that has in in that in the real world, I have to deal with the fact that people want to use this subway station. But if sure. I can go and get a scan of that subway station and then do the same thing, hang up some posters and stuff in that's that potentially is incredibly transformative in in much the same way that I think motion capture once sure. got over the initial um, uh, challenges, <laughs> yeah, challenges of it transformed mm. animation. Now it didn't actually make animation cheaper or faster but it, made it, but it made it better and different mm. so i think it's possible but maybe maybe actually i'm talking myself out of this to some degree because maybe what will happen is if this has happened slowly over time which is what's happening right now is we will eat up the efficiency as we go it would take something like an actual 
sea change to 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 maybe actually make things get radically different. I think what's sure. been happening in AAA is that costs and complexity have been going up at somewhere between slightly faster or much sure. faster than efficiencies and uh, and new procedures have have gone up. If you were to sit down and say, let's make Baldur's Gate 1 with modern technology, mm -hmm. you could probably make that game for in a quarter of for a quarter of the budget or less than the original game cost. Because oh, wow. Sure. Just like just you wouldn't have to do so many things. You'd just be able to pull things off the shelf. But of course, that's not what modern AAA games look like. We've spent all that, all those gains and more, way more um just with uh things rising up so i i do believe that someday it's going to be like i believe it someday your technology your technology group which is about a third of most teams or more might Fair. largely go away if your technology stabilizes and we're all unified on something across the entire industry then then that I mean, you have technical people on your movie studio, but they don't make up a third of the cast. Sure. Um, so if that happens, then that means, uh, first of all, you've you've got rid of a third of your team, which mm -hmm. is faster. Sure. Um, but also, um, uh, it means you have tools or something that approximate tools from the very first start instant you start. You've got uh, the ability to build art from the very first instant you start. Maybe you're not even building art. Maybe you're pulling it off of a shelf and you're just basically put, sticking a credit card into into a into a model dispenser and getting sure. your models. And then you're then you're doing things more like set dressing and building sets, but you're building them out of off the shelf parts. Which is the thing in Unreal, correct? Isn't that a, a, a pretty big business there where people, like there's devs who all they do is make models and textures and stuff just for other people to use. Yeah, there absolutely is. Sure. Uh, and there's also Quexel, which is the, mm -hmm. uh, which is the mega the scanning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that stuff I think is, gets a more of an uptake. The problem you have in, um, with the marketplace for AAA, uh, well, I think there's two big problems. Problem one is uh, uh, AAA uh, uh, developers are super paranoid about copyrights. So licensing um, and stuff. Sure. How sure are we that you actually own that? Mm -hmm. But uh, pro problem two is that things are built to very inconsistent standards. So if the standards could stabilize, like a, a, a mega scan, you know what it's going to look like. You know what it's going to work. So if you're if you're good with that look, you're you're good. But I made a, a, a I made my a model of a teapot. Okay, well I got to look. Oh, this one's only got a hundred polygons in it. That's not any good. Oh, this Fair. one's done in a cartoony stuff. Like I think it's there and and it is used. Um, but uh, I I think that there's um, just a consistency problem that is preventing it from being wi super widely adopted in AAA. But sure. I mean. Um, I'm sure that to some degree, when you go to an outsourcer, they're probably using it. They're probably going into the marketplace or other places, buying that hundred poly teapot, 
uh, sure. tessellate, uh, 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 tessellating it up to 25,000 polygons, smoothing out the texture and calling it a day. But so because for them, it's all about efficiency. Sure. It's all about efficiency. So maybe, sure. so maybe this is happening in secret to some degree. <laughs> through a third party the um yeah. uh when it comes to talking about well, one thing i i talk about a lot so i'm a fairly new fan to bioware games um, i'm 34 but during the time i was actually working at gamestop during almost the entire trilogy of mass effect i even worked the midnight releases i was that guy but i didn't play the games because i was a call of duty madden guy and so getting into this into the the dragon age games and the mass effect games as not an old guy but as an older guy um it's been interesting to me to look back and um massive the trilogy is so interesting to me from a technical perspective because i'm so used to most games where there's multiple games whether sequels or trilogies or whatever spanning generations and something that's so interesting to me as someone uh, even just playing the legendary edition of, of mass effect is how um where most games you see them get bigger as they move on with mass effect you see the opposite you see a start off being very expansive and kind of empty with mass effect one because that's where the tech was at early in that generation and then by mass effect three you have what could be mistaken for a modern game when it comes to detail and, and things like that but you have very small spaces you have very linear paths and stuff like that um what like what did you think what what was kind of unique about um that time and about that specific trilogy in your opinion that we'll probably never see again of of how it got smaller and more detailed instead of the opposite like we see today yeah i mean i think that casey was trying originally was trying to make star control like that's uh, sure, sure that's that's the gate his game that he <laughs> that he basically was trying to recreate and mass one very much you can see echoes of star control there but the reality is is that uh um i think what the so i do think that to some degree franchises ips have a bit of a, a mind of their own sure. mass effect didn't want to be star control mass effect wants to be uh not exactly star wars but it wants to be a cinematic um uh experience that's its own space opera as well yeah, kind of yeah. space mm -hmm. opera uh, that's what it wants to be so mm -hmm. um that's the evolution i think you're seeing is the is the ip itself almost forcing itself out of the shadows and saying no 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 no, we're not star control that's not the, sure. that's not this game we're we're um we're this much more tight uh uh strong cinematic experience i i think that kate i mean the the funny thing is, is i think what casey was really trying to make in mass effect one was somehow a cinematic experience and star control simultaneously <laughs> and then ultimately the cinematic experience won. one sure yeah the um another interesting thing i with your experience of dragon age and stuff like that what uh, comparing the two franchises is so interesting to me because dragon age it seems like from the start was okay with First game, you're going to be one protagonist. Next game, you're going to be a new one. Third game, whereas Mass Effect literally has the opposite situation of like, we have developed this monolithic, this hero of the universe. And what I think is so interesting about, um, like with Dreadwolf, 
we don't know yet, you know, at least myself as the public doesn't know what they're doing with that. Where I think most people are assuming a new protagonist where, and then that's, but that's the big debate in the Mass Effect community right now of well, what are they going to do next? And one thing I think that's interesting about that is that there's a big debate in the community about, um, you know, even the end of Mass Effect three is fairly broad. Um, and it's a giant cliffhanger in my opinion. And what I've argued a lot is, um, that the idea of setting canon is such a controversial thing in this genre and with this fan base. But my argument for a long time has been, I would rather them narrow the end of say like a Mass Effect 3 down. So then they have the ability to truly go back out and really expand again, rather than, I mean, I've tried to make the argument that if you tried to make a, a fourth game or whatever the next one's gonna be, a, a sequel to three, say, and incorporate every ending, the genophage or not the, the whatever you're talking about a game that would take like 20 years to make and so i guess not it doesn't have to be specifically about mass effect but with a game like that um do you feel like there is justification to canonize to be able to spread back out or how do you feel about it yeah i i think you have to do something sure so um um so mass effect was always conceived as being a trilogy but I think what you actually end up with mass one, two, and three, if you kind of just stick them together into one ridiculously big game, that that's why in some ways the the complaints about the original mass three ending are so hilarious, because in a way, the game mass three is the ending for this entire huge game. Uh, sure. Which which isn't awesome because you know the last Hobbit movie is also stupid because it's <laughs> all ending. Um <laughs> So that's not necessarily the best, but that's essentially what you have. Um, and it so because it was intended as a trilogy, it to some degree, it kind of takes its ball and goes home at the end, where it's like, okay, I'm going to render the, the, the possibility of a direct sequel to this so nearly impossible that it's ludicrous. Sure. Um, it could be that, that um, so we know that, 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 that the... Uh, Mass relays are, are down. That's all sure. true. But, sure. Like, uh, we have potentially everyone's a cyborg. Potentially <laughs> there are no robots. Potentially, potentially, potentially. It's mm -hmm. bananas. But interestingly, if you look at Mass 1, 2, and 3 as a single game, and then you look at Origins, Origins was, was, always in, was originally envisioned as a standalone game. There was never okay. even consideration for a sequel made for that. And if you look at Origins and then look at what it does at its ending, so the the ending of the 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 game itself is fairly tight. It's like, well, you did definitely have to kill the Archdemon and you've ended the Blight, but then you go through the end credit stuff, uh like the the uh, epilogue screens. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, may, maybe there's a there's a, a a civil war happening in Orzammar. Maybe there are uh werewolves spreading across the, the the this entire part of Ferelden. Maybe there are no werewolves at all because you've sure. it. Maybe like it's 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 similar possibilities are endless. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. what 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 the way the Dragon Age approached the solution to that was canonize some of those choices, mm -hmm. but for the most part just moves moves away far enough <laughs> physically so it's sure. like okay well maybe there are werewolves down south <laughs> there's it's not sure. my, that's not my problem i got i got my own problems sure sure or it moves through time which one of the reasons why dragon age 2 moves through so much time is it gives distance 
from uh, Dragon Age Origins. So, I mean, one of the major reasons why Dragon Age, or why Mass Effect Andromeda is literally hundreds of years in the future in another it's, galaxy, uh, it's yeah. like, okay, well, something happened. We can We're not worried about it. Who cares? Uh, like, sure. If we want to, we can react to it, but we don't have to worry sure. about the consequences. Sure. Um, but, of course, um, I mean, Origin, Dragon Age had, had the same problem that Mass Effect has, just to a lesser degree. Okay. The Origins did such a great job of building up the Warden that people were really attached to that, and they keep wanting to see the Warden come back. Mm-hmm. People are never going to let go of Shepard. No. So, um, so it's like, and it's understandable. Like yeah. they 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 did that to themselves in the best possible way. Well, that's just it. Is is, sure. is that you know Dragon Age new protagonists every time because it allows things to be done, but there are costs to that. It you don't have the nearly attachment. There's a, I mean, there's a reason why every single Zelda game starts with you as Link getting bonked on the head. Like you're, they've essentially solved the. <laughs> Solve the problem. It's the reset button. Yeah, it's the reset button. Either you get <laughs> you, you have um, amnesia, or you're like the great 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 grandson. Mm-hmm. But you're so it's like maybe there's a way that they can do something like that. But it, it Zelda's jumped through a lot of hoops that probably a modern game can't be allowed to do. Around like, sure, yeah, you are always uh, Link, no matter. But you just are a different Link who forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're maybe, Link. <laughs> yeah, you're Link. So maybe there's a way that you can be Shepherd, but not Shepherd. Sure. Um, yeah, you can be Shepherd. Maybe there's a way they can do that. Sure. Um, but yeah, it'll it's be interesting. It's it's definitely a problem that they have because certainly Ryder from Andromeda, uh, not the same character. Nor could any ga- ga- character from a single game compete with a character from three games. No. Um, um, so, yeah, it is, it is, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe the approach <laughs> is you canonize this, the choices from the trilogy and you say, and the choice we're making is Shepard made it and you're Shepard. See, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't envy Mary and that team. <laughs> I do no. not envy their position. Um, well, I have one more kind of, question for you before uh, we can wrap things up here and it's as a newer fan uh, i don't have all of the baggage from mass effect 3 and then you know other things like i like andromeda i think it's a fun game i think it's um i i put it in a different spot than the trilogy for myself but so i don't have all of that but every time i see anything posted about the next you know about dread wolf or the next mass effect game or anything that's happening with bioware i always see people say oh they can't you know it's not the old bioware it's not you know they they can't recapture that and i guess my argument is that they yeah you're right it's different people it's a different generation it's a different time um i guess uh, kind of what's your closing thoughts or, or or feelings on um like i would argue that not only do they not need to try to recapture old bioware they need to set a new expectation or a new standard for bioware this this with these two games that are coming out i guess just kind of how do you feel about about that whole concept yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there there is a lot of DNA of older games still at Bioware, but you're right. Is is every game needs to be a game in its moment. It needs to be appropriate to the time and space and um, uh, of, of what's going on there. So to I, I get it. 
You kind mm-hmm. of just want to feel the thing you feel mm-hmm. when you feel feel the thing you <laughs> felt when you played Mass Effect Two, or feel the thing you felt when you played Dragon Age Origins. Yeah. But um, like, I mean, a perfect example for me is is Pillars of Eternity. I don't know if you've played Pillars of Eternity by Obsidian. So I'm familiar. That, yeah. That is a that is a amazingly faithful recreation of the experience of playing a Baldur's Gate game. Okay. Um, and it's it's amazing. But for me, when I played that, what I realized almost instantly was I no longer want to play that game. And I think that for too many for I, I think that if suddenly you got a Mass Effect 2 again magically appearing sure. out of the ether. I don't think it would be received the same way. The The industry is in a different place. The So I, I think that, yeah, you're right. Bioware needs to set a new bar. For- Nostalgia is a powerful thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's a, it's a deceiving mistress too. Absolutely. It's um, I, I talk about it a lot uh, in various games. I'm a fan of is that you think you want what you had, but one it's kind of like, you know, not maybe not the best example in the world, but the first time someone takes a drug, it's the best time, yeah. the best it's ever going to feel. It's never going to feel that way again. The first time I finish Mass Effect 3, it'll never feel, I'm chasing that feeling again, and it's never going to happen in that exact way. And I feel like people are like that with, whether it's Bioware or, or any studio who has a legacy that, you know, maybe they aren't, you know, Halo and things like that. You know, they instead of, um, I guess for me, the, the right thing to do is be excited for new stuff and stop hoping for old stuff again but you know like you said it's understandable yeah well that's why i mean and is also that the 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 sad truth is that the older you get the less relevant uh, the the less relevant part of the buying demographic you are mm-hmm. so the reality is i mean andromeda had a a, a shaky launch which sure. is unfortunate but yeah. it's a lot of people's favorite mass effect most of those I've, people who it's sure. their favorite mass effect are younger. younger people Mm-hmm. Um, because it targets, you know, it's got a younger protagonist. It's got a sure. younger, more. I mean, the the original trilogy is very much Shepard is a hero from action movies from the eighties and nineties for millennials. Sure, yeah, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. he is stoic and, like, mm-hmm. and whereas um, uh, uh, Ryder, Ryder, I was almost going to call him. Call him uh, I, I, I tried to get him to call him Travis Ellers. Oh, so, I know. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I almost call him Ellers. Uh, Ryder is, is definitely, a, he's much more a protagonist from a CW show. Sure. So, Absolutely. So that's, so yeah, the reality is, is that, sorry, but they're not trying to make it for you anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's where I'll, I'll wrap things up with us. Um, I really appreciate you chatting with me. If um, I will throw out right now that your channel um, for someone who isn't in game development is so helpful to get to learn how things like really work. Um, I really wish more people were more interested in learning how games are really made instead of just throwing their hands up and screaming every time something happens they don't like. Um, so I will personally very much uh, say that people should check out your channel. But if you can please let us know um, where to see your channel, your socials and things like that. Yeah. So uh, on YouTube, I'm old game dev advice. Um that's where you can find things as 
As you said, it's good for people who are not familiar with the industry but are curious. Uh, also, if you're just starting out in the industry, there's some helpful things there as well. Uh, the only social media I'm still on is Twitter. Uh, I am still Biomarkdera because if I change my name, they're going to take away my blue check mark. So, oh, okay. So uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. So I'll probably be Biomarkdera forever. Um, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, not as active there as I used to be. I, I can only handle one social media platform at a time. Unreal, or I mean, uh, uh, YouTube has kind of become that one social media platform to a large degree. Sure. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much again. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I, I'll try to drag you back on again one day. For sure. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat. Again, I want to thank Mark a ton for coming on the show, chatting with me, uh, spending his time uh, with me there for a little bit. Um, I think it was a nice chat. I, you know, had so many more questions and so many more follow-ups, but I knew, you know, we needed to move things along. So hopefully I can bring him on again another time and we can delve a little deeper into some specific subjects. Um, that said, uh, you know, please be sure to, uh, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like this video, comment below. If you're listening on the podcast, please subscribe on your podcast provider of choice. I have more interviews coming uh, that I am really excited about, similar to this. And um, I think it's good stuff. Uh, you can find me uh, as Bon Diesel on Twitter and most other places, including Twitch and so on and so forth. And, um, that's all I have for this episode. So until next time.